Well, we're in this series uh, called Transformed. We're talking about the supernatural life of Christ that God has come to give us. And we've, we've said there's, there's God's part and, and there's our part. And today, what I want to talk about may be the most significant message in this entire series because I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to change our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit to produce supernatural lives within us. The release of the Holy Spirit with his love and joy and peace. The power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ. The the work of the Holy Spirit to make us passionate worshipers and to shine the light of Jesus to every person that that we meet. This is what the Bible says. that, That the Christian life really is a supernatural life. According to Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Romans chapter 8. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to God. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Acts 1.8, Jesus gave us this promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ephesians chapter 5, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Romans chapter 5. Hope uh, uh, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Galatians chapter 3. So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are the children of Abraham. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. These scriptures, they're they're just a sample of all the passages in the Bible that teach supernatural life produced by the Holy Spirit. It is God's intention to transform the life of every believer. 
It is God's will that every believer live a spirit-filled life. It is God's will to produce the supernatural life of Christ within every believer. God has given us the Holy Spirit. The very moment we crossed the line, we believed in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into our lives. He's the spirit of Jesus. He's the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. And God promises that we have the potential to experience all of his fruit, all of his power, all of his supernatural life. It's God's will. In fact, when you look at a survey of these passages, they tell us that the Holy Spirit gives us victory over sin and temptation. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be Christ's witnesses. The Holy Spirit energizes us to worship God, to give thanks, and to encourage others. The Holy Spirit produces spiritual fruit in our lives that reflect the reality of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works within us, and he does miracles through us. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom and transforms us to become more and more like Jesus. Now, these are truths that are just clearly stated in Scripture. It is unambiguous. The Word of God teaches that God has for every believer a supernatural life in Christ that's produced by the Holy Spirit because his nature is to release the life of Jesus within us. As I've taught on this many times in our, in our church, I've called it the fizzy principle. You may remember, when, when I was a kid, they used to have a little Kool-Aid-type drink called a fizzy. You took this little tablet, you dropped it in water, and it fizzed, and it turned the water into a Kool-Aid drink. Now, they don't make fizzies anymore, but what they do make is Sesame Street fizzy bath tablets. I actually ordered them on Amazon. <laughs> See, I drop those tablets into the water and they start fizzing. And it's changing the color of the water. You take those, you drop them in a kid's bath and it turns the bath a certain color. It doesn't stay in the tub, it doesn't stay in the towels. You can get them by Amazon. <laughs> um, the more those tablets release what's inside of them, the darker the color becomes because the nature of that tablet when it makes contact with the water is to fizz and the fizzing is releasing the color into the water. The Holy Spirit, like a fizzy in our lives, produces the supernatural life of Jesus. That's his purpose in our lives. That's why, that's why the Father sent the Spirit into our lives. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphan, orphans in John chapter 14, but I'm going to send you another helper, the Spirit of truth, the comforter. He will be with you and he will be in you. Jesus said in John chapter 16, he will guide you into all truth. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And all these scriptures that we've read speak about the fact that the Holy Spirit's very nature is to release the supernatural life of Jesus within us. Now, if I was to take like a cup and after I dropped the fizzy into the water and I put that cup over the tablet, so I disconnected the contact of the fizzy with the rest of the water, it wouldn't be able to fizz. It wouldn't be able to, uh, to influence the water because the connection would be broken. Sin disconnects us 
from the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Sin quenches the Spirit. Sin grieves the Spirit. That sin might be unbelief, a lack of faith. It might be pride. It might be lust. It it might be anger. It might be gossip. It might be bitterness. It might be direct disobedience to what the Word of God says to do. And sin disconnects us from the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So there are many Christians who are not experiencing the supernatural life in Christ because of some attitude and action on their part that is inhibiting and preventing the Spirit from releasing all of Jesus in us and through us. So the question is, how do we we move the barrier that's stopping us from experiencing the full flow of the Spirit in our life? How How do we... Take the sin out so that we are in open, face-to-face contact with the Spirit. Nothing inhibits our experience with the Spirit so the Holy Spirit can produce all that he's come to produce in our lives. And we live supernatural lives in Christ because not everybody responds to the Holy Spirit in the same way. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes how we respond to the Holy Spirit. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. He cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person directed by the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Paul addresses in this passage three responses to the Holy Spirit. And every person here, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are responding in one of these three ways to the Holy Spirit. Right now, even as we are having this worship service, every person here is responding in one of these three ways to the Holy Spirit. And remember, it's only the Holy Spirit who can release the supernatural life of Christ within us. So how we respond to him is the direct corollary to the degree to which we experience supernatural life in Christ. Here's what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 2, how we respond to the Spirit. First of all, he says in verse 14, the person without the Spirit. That's the way it's translated in the NIV version. The person without the Spirit. It's one term in Greek. It's the Greek word sukakos. Sukakos. The word suke is the, the word for soul. We get the discipline of psychology from that. It's the study of the soul. Sukakos means to be soulish. It's not necessarily a, a negative or pejorative term. What it is is a limiting term. The sukakos person is the person who lives life only from the realm of their own resources, their own soul. There's no spiritual life. They're not alive spiritually. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They just have their own mind, will, and emotions. Their actual spirit has been cut off from God. They are not indwelt by the Spirit. They're not Christians. So it's natural to understand then that a person who's just 
Sukkakos, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. In fact, I bet every one of us here could testify to the fact that either ourselves or someone we know, we've been in some kind of discussion about spiritual things, and it's kind of like just glazed look on people's eyes because it's like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. You've got to be kidding me. That's, that's, that's like science fiction. See, because someone who's just operates from the point of the suke, who's sukakos, they have no spiritual life. Then Paul says, there's the person directed by the Spirit in verse 15 and 16. The person directed by the Spirit, again, that's one Greek word. It's the word pneumatikos. The word pneuma is the term for spirit in the New Testament. Pneumatikos is spiritual, and it means a whole lot more than what we mean when we talk about someone who's spiritual. Now, in the context of this passage, someone who's spiritual is someone who has the Holy Spirit, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're led by the Holy Spirit, they're directed by the Holy Spirit, they're influenced by the Spirit, they're experiencing supernatural life from the Spirit. In fact, their life is so enamored and influenced by the Spirit that when you describe them, the only thing you can describe them as is spiritual. And there's some Christians who live spiritual life, supernatural life in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit. Then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as he's writing to the Corinthian church, so this is a rebuke. I mean, if you were reading this as one of the original recipients, this would have been, you know, like getting a holy slap upside the head. He says, uh, thanks, Brad. He says, brothers and sisters. So he's writing to Christians. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as to people who live by the Spirit. You're not spiritual, but you're not sukkakos either because you have the Holy Spirit. But as to people who are still worldly and infants in Christ. You know, it's okay to be a baby when you're a baby. But if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, if you're an adult, you shouldn't be a baby anymore. And these believers were teenagers and young adults and adults, and they were still acting like babies spiritually. And so Paul doesn't call them pneumatikos. He uses the term sarkikos. Sarkikos. Sark is the Greek word for flesh. Sometimes in the Bible it describes our sin nature or our old nature. To be fleshly is to be living out of your old nature. These were people who had a new nature. They had the Holy Spirit in them, but they weren't living in their new nature. They weren't living in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were still living in their old nature. Because Paul says, you're jealous, you're quarreling, you're divisive, you're arguing, you're holding on to bitterness, you're being disobedient, you're not following God, you're worldly, you're carnal. See, not every Christian lives a supernatural life in Christ, the problem isn't with the Holy Spirit. Look what he does. He releases the life of Jesus. The problem's with us. We are disobeying the Spirit. We are resisting the Spirit. We are grieving the Spirit. We are quenching the Spirit. You see, to live a Spirit-filled life is to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control of every part of our life. You see, 
I have used this illustration here many times as well. It's the illustration of the chocolate milk. If I have two glasses of chocolate milk, I mean ice cold milk, ah, it tastes good. And I pour into each glass of milk equal amounts of Hershey's chocolate syrup. I take this glass right here, I take a spoon, and I stir it up. Stir it up really good. Now what do I have? Chocolate milk. Looks like chocolate milk. I taste it. Mm, that tastes good. That's chocolate milk. This glass over here has the same amount of the, of the syrup. Same amount. But the syrup hadn't been stirred up. Looks like milk. Tastes like milk. There's some Christians, they don't look any different than anybody else. They're no different than their neighbors. And God says, that's a rebuke because they should be different. They, sh they should be transformed. They should be experiencing supernatural life in Christ. The problem isn't with God. The problem isn't the Holy Spirit isn't doing what he's supposed to do. The problem is we are resisting him. We are disobeying him. We are quenching him. So the, the, the question for us, if we want to experience supernatural life in Christ, is how do we stir up the spirit in our lives so that he can do all that he wants to do, all that God has sent him to do, all that will transform our lives? How do we stir up the spirit in our lives? And let me tell you. We got to understand it's a promise and it's a command. It's a promise and it's a command. In Luke 11, Jesus said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My gosh, that's a great, that's a great promise of Jesus. And he said over in Acts 1 8, in, in one of his final words before he was ascended to the Father's right hand, one of these great commission statements, Jesus said in Acts 1 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus promises the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise to live supernatural life in Christ. But it's also a command. Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I mean, I don't know what debauchery is, but I don't want any part of it because it just sounds bad. Actually, it's a, it's a, there's different translations of this word. It's one Greek word. It's asotia. Sotia is the Greek word for salvation. When you put the alpha before a word in the, in the Greek grammar, it negates the word. In fact, means the exact antithesis or opposite. So asotia is the opposite of salvation. When someone is drunk, what they manifest is the opposite of salvation. When you're drunk, you do stupid things. When you're drunk, you say things you wouldn't say if you were sober. You do things you wouldn't do if you were sober. People who are drunk manifest the opposite of salvation. People who are filled with the Spirit manifest exactly what salvation is about because the Holy Spirit's in control. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll say things you wouldn't say if you were carnal. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll do things you wouldn't do when you're worldly. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you look, like, you look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You love like Jesus. You have vision like Jesus. You have faith like Jesus. You have hope like Jesus. You have compassion like Jesus. You bless people like Jesus. You live supernatural life because it's Jesus living through you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's a command. And do not get drunk with wine for that's dissipation. That's debauchery. That's asotia. But be filled with the Spirit. And it's a present tense command. It means be being filled. So it's not a one-time thing. You don't just go to a retreat, surrender your life, get filled with the Spirit. No, you get filled with the Spirit today, tomorrow, and the next day. You get filled with the Spirit before every crisis. You get filled with the Spirit when you're facing temptation. You get filled with the Spirit moment by moment by moment. The book of Acts records 15 times where individuals and the gathering of disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a repeated experience. We are to be being filled with the Spirit so that the supernatural life of Jesus Christ continually grows and increases and manifests itself through us. We live supernatural lives as we live day by day, moment by moment, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a promise and it's a command. You see, just like whether it's your apartment or your house, there's, there's a water pipe coming into it. There's a main water main that controls the water coming in. And there's a lever on that. So if you've ever done what I used to do all the time in my old house, fix the sprinklers, work on the pipes, before I did that, I'd go to the main water main, lift off the little, little cover on the front, the little cement cover, and go and turn the handle. You know what that did? It stopped the water coming into my house. Some of us have made decisions and we're choosing behaviors and we're embracing attitudes that have stopped the Holy Spirit flowing into our lives. We gotta get that out of the way. We gotta repent of that. We gotta turn from that. We gotta open up that valve so the Holy Spirit can release all of the life of Jesus, the supernatural life of Jesus in us. So the way we stir up the Spirit, first of all, is we got to confess our sins and repent of sin. we got to confess our sins and repent of sin. This is what John says over in 1 John 1. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. See, Sin creates a barrier between us and God that quenches the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if we will confess our sins, God cleanses us, God forgives us, God keeps us in the light. Unconfessed sin moves us out of the light and increasingly into the darkness. When we confess our sins, we come out of the darkness and we stand in the light of God's love and forgiveness and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Unconfessed sin hinders the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Right now, there may be some of us here who have unconfessed sin. 
There's, there, we know. The Holy Spirit, even right now, may even bring us to our mind. Words that have come out of our mouths that have hurt people. Thoughts that have been thoughts of disobedience or, or planning some action of sin. Actions that we've done that are disobedient to God, breaking God's commandments, and we've never confessed that. The lack of confession moves us into the darkness. You know, when I, when I was single and, and Don and I were, were dating, I was working with Campus Crusade at UCLA, and I was going to graduate school seminary at Talbot Seminary, and I was living with a family in Santa Monica. They had a guest room in the back of their house. I lived there, and, and uh, the, the mom of this family, I mean, she was an impeccable housekeeper, kept the, kept the place super clean, spotless. One day while I was living with them, they redid their kitchen, and they, they came in, and they, they took out the appliances in the kitchen and took them outside and put in new appliances. And I remember this because they, they took out the hood that was over the stove, which looked totally clean on the outside. And they took it out and they, they moved it outside and set it down. And when it sat down, it tilted on its side. And when that, that hood tilted on its side, it contained the fan. And on its side, all of a sudden, all of this thick, black, sludgy grease just began to, began to leak out of it. It had all been kind of, the fan had kind of collected it all in there. Outside, boy, it looked clean. But inside, it was just filled with gunk. As your pastor, as someone who has to live life just like you all, there's some of us here right now that are just filled with gunk. But we look okay on the outside but we have quenched the work of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of unconfessed sin in our lives. And if we're ever going to experience the supernatural life of Jesus, we've got to come out of the darkness into the light. We've got to confess our sins. We've got to acknowledge what we've done. We've got to agree with God that, that our sin is sin and ask Jesus to forgive us because he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and thank him that he has done it, that he died and rose again and his blood cleanses us from sin and stay in the light by keep on confessing our sins and whenever we become aware of sin, confess our sins so that we stay in the light because it's only in the light that we can experience the supernatural light and life of Jesus Christ. We, we have to confess our sins and, and not only that, if we're gonna stir up the Holy Spirit within us, We've got to fully yield our lives to, to Jesus Christ. Fully yield our lives. See, because the issue here is not receiving the Holy Spirit. The issue is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit if we're believers. He came into our lives the very moment we trusted in Christ. The issue is stirring up the syrup. The, the issue is allowing Christ to be at the very center and direction and, and, and leadership of our lives. It's, it's like the old preacher who said, he's resident, but is he president? <laughs> See, is, is, is the Holy Spirit in charge of your life, or are you in charge? That's the only choice. That's it. Either the Holy Spirit's in charge or we're in charge. You know, in the old Campus Crusade booklet, The Four Spiritual Laws, at the end of The Four Spiritual Laws, there were these two circles that represent two kinds of lives. And in the middle of each circle, there's a chair, which is like the throne of your life. And in one circle, there's a cross. And the cross is 
outside the circle and the S is on the throne. That's the person who doesn't have Christ in their life. And in the other circle, the cross is on the throne and the S is down below the throne. That's the person who has Christ at the center. And in that little presentation, it's, you know, the question is who's on the throne of your life? Who's directing your life? Is Christ in your life? Now, Campus Crusade has another booklet, another little discipleship booklet called, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? And at the end of that booklet, there are three circles. One has a throne with the S on it and the cross outside of it. One has the throne with the cross at the center and the S for self down beside it. And the third one has circle with the throne with the S on the throne and the cross down beside it. It's the self-directed life. Christ is in the life, but self is still in control. See, what does the self-directed life and the Christ-directed life have in common? They both have Christ in their life. What does the self-directed life and the life of someone who's not a believer have in common? Self is on the throne. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'd like to write to you as to spiritual people, but I can't. i got to write to you as to worldly, as just mere human beings. See, when we live our lives, even as Christians, with ourselves on the throne at the center of our lives, we're no different than somebody who's not even a believer. We're practical atheists. No matter what we say, our lives betray that self is on the throne. we got to surrender our lives to Christ. Yield our lives to Christ. Give Jesus everything. That's why Paul says over in Romans chapter 12, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We need to confess our sins. We need to yield our lives to Christ. We've got to stir up the Holy Spirit so that we can live supernatural lives in Christ. We need to really desire, I mean really want, a deeper spiritual experience with Christ. I don't know about you. I just think this is a human principle, uh, uh, an axiomatic point. Well, that's really good. That's like juxtaposition and, uh, you know, some of the axiomatic. Hmm. It's a life axiom, a life principle. You, you pursue what you really want. You prioritize what you really want. You go for what you really want. You try to get what you really want. You sacrifice for what you really want. That's why my old football coach used to always say, you got to want it. And he'd always say that when we were doing like these conditioning drills and we're so tired and you want to give up. You got to want it. See, you got to want it. If, if you are going to experience supernatural life in Jesus Christ, you know what? You got to want it. That's, that's what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 7. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And this he was talking about the spirit whom he had not given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
See, this overflowing life, rivers of living water coming out from us, Jesus said that's fulfilled by the Holy Spirit, but it's fulfilled for thirsty people. Which, I'm one of them right now. I'm, t- I'm talking. I'm thirsty. You know that you get thirsty when you, when, when you talk and uh, your mouth kind of feels kind of dry. You know what you do when you're thirsty? You find something to drink. Now, it may not be living water, but you find something. People don't like feeling thirsty, so they find something to try to satisfy them. When you try something other than Jesus, that's called an idol. But Jesus said he will satisfy our thirst. Not only satisfy it, he'll cause rivers of living water to flow out of us through the Holy Spirit. That's supernatural living. So to stir up the Holy Spirit, we, we need to confess our sins and we need to surrender our lives to Christ and, and, and we need to really desire this deeper experience with Christ in our lives and we need to ask. Ask. Because Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Just ask. Just ask. You see, Jesus Jesus grounds the answer of God to our prayer in his own goodness. How much more? You're evil, but how much more will your heavenly Father give what's good to those who ask him? To give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. See, God is so good that if we come to him as his children and ask, he will fill and empower us with the Holy Spirit. That promise, by the way, is actually lived out in the book of Acts because in Acts chapter 4, the, the church is facing all kinds of persecution and they're told not to preach at all in the name of Jesus and they arrest and, and, they, and they, they beat up the apostles. Peter comes back, the whole church is gathered and he tells them what happens and he, and he claims the, the word of God and it says in Acts 4.31, And when they prayed, they, the whole church, and when they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Could you imagine what that would be like if our entire church, every cotton-picking one of us, filled with the Holy Spirit, living supernatural life in Christ, this community wouldn't be the same. And all we have to do is ask. Ask. And... We ask in faith. This is a whole nother sermon series, but I've been thinking a lot about this just because of my own spiritual journey in, 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 as it relates to prayer. There are some people who don't pray. There are other people who pray, and then there are people who pray and really believe that God's going to hear and answer their prayers. It's the people who pray and really believe that God's going to hear and answer their prayers that see miracles happen in their lives. Listen to what this says here in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. we got to live by faith. See, we are everything we experience in the Christian life is by faith. We don't work for it. It's by grace through faith. It's faith that is the conduit that connects us to God and the supernatural life of Jesus. Listen to this in Galatians 3. Paul is asking the Galatians, and he's, he's doing a little bit of this rhetorical, sarcastic kind of challenge to force them to think for themselves. He says, let me ask you, 
Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing by faith? And, and what's the answer? Hearing by faith. So he says, why are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit and you're now being, trying to be perfected by your own flesh? Did you, you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, is it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? By hearing with faith. And then he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And it's those who are of the faith who are the children of God. So Paul, Paul asks two rhetorical questions. The answer to both of them is by faith. The first one he asks is, he who gave you the Spirit. That's the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit that happens at salvation. In fact, Paul even describes that in what's known as the aorist tense in Greek. It's a past tense, one-time action occurrence. When we believed in Jesus, by faith, God gave us the Holy Spirit. But the second question he asks is, he who supplies or provides present tense, he who works miracles, present tense, by the Spirit, is it by the works of the law or by faith? What's the answer? By faith. In other words, by faith, we right now continuously experience the work of the Spirit and the miracles of the Spirit. How do we experience them? By faith. By faith. We live by faith. That's why it says in Hebrews eleven six: without faith, it's impossible to please him. For who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that seek him. Well, what's faith? It's accepting that what God says is true is true and acting upon it. Not, not living by sight, not living by feelings, but living by faith in what God says. And so what does God say? He's given us the Holy Spirit. He'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. He'll give us the power of the Spirit. He'll give us victory by means of the Spirit. He'll work miracles on our lives by the Spirit. And do we experience that by, by following some formula or doing a bunch of religious works? No, it's by faith. Believing that God's not a liar. God says it, we believe it, that settles it. We, we live by faith. That's how we stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives. And faith in the Bible is always action. It's never passive. It's active. We, we obey the Spirit. We, that's why it says in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit. That's why it says, uh, that's Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.25 says, keep in step with the Spirit. That's put your feet in the very steps of the Spirit. But walking, what do you have to be doing to be walking? Moving. This is not walking. This is walking. The supernatural life in Christ is action by faith. Obedience by faith. We stir up the Holy Spirit, and when we take a step, he energizes us. When we serve, he serves through us. When we speak a word of the gospel, he speaks through us. When we think thoughts of praise, he renews our minds. When we reach out to love others, he loves through us. He works through us in supernatural ways because it's the life of Jesus. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. 
That's why over in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one, God says to Joshua, I'm going to give you all the land I promised to Moses. Wherever you put your foot, that's going to be your territory. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to part the Red Sea. You're going to march across it, and you're going to take uh, captivity, all the land that I'm giving to you. That was true the very moment God said it to Joshua. It was true because God said it was true. But what did Joshua have to do? He had to do it. He had to march across the, Red, the, the, the Jordan River, and he had to step into the promised land, and he had to fight all the kings that were in the promised land, and he had to win the victory. But it was God who gave it to him and worked through him, and he did it. See, when Joshua charged the troops with what God was going to do, and they all lined up in parade, and they started marching towards the Jordan River, the Jordan River was rushing. See, God didn't part the river. They saw how it was parted, and then they stepped across. That wouldn't be living by faith. That'd be living by sight. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what I want. But that's living by sight. God blesses living by faith. God produces a supernatural life of Jesus within us as we live by faith. So the priests are carrying the ark. The river is rushing. They have the promise of God. They walk up to the Jordan River and they step out. And you know what the Bible says? It's very specific. The very moment that their foot came down and hit the water, it parted. At the moment of their obedience, the power of God was released. See, we stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives as we confess our sins, as we yield our whole lives to Christ, as as we ask, as we in faith believe that what God says is true is true, and then as we obey. God wants to produce supernatural life in the life of every believer, in the life of every believer, because it's a moment-by-moment walk with Jesus Christ. You know, some of us, some of us, we think about the spiritual life, the supernatural spiritual life, like a roller coaster. When, when, I, when I was in high school, lived up in the Bay Area, we always went to the beach over in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, everybody has a good time. Big carnival right on the beach, and the center of the boardwalk was the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper was a roller coaster. You get on the Big Dipper, you get on the ride, and it starts to go, and it starts going up. And you get at the top, and then it goes down. And then it goes up. And then it goes down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's the way a lot of us live our Christian lives. You go to the men's retreat and you surrender your whole life to Jesus. You ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Man, you are pumped. And then you come down from Forest Home and you walk into your house and you meet your wife and then you go down, 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 down. And then something else happens and you go up and then something else and you go down. That's not the supernatural Christian life. The supernatural Christian life is living today, tomorrow, the next day, moment by moment, surrendering and asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And because we are being filled, 
the supernatural life of Jesus is released in us increasingly, progressively, and we become more and more like Jesus. And we experience more and more the fruit of Jesus. And we see more and more the miracles of Jesus because we are being transformed to be like Jesus because we're living supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what God wants for us, for our church, for every person here. Could, could I just have you just stand up. Just, just everyone here, stand up, please. Because I know that some of us here are tired. We're tired of doing it on our own. We're tired of the roller coaster. We're thirsty. We want, not just right now in this moment, but tomorrow and the next day and for the rest of our lives, we want to live spirit-filled, supernatural lives in Christ. Our, our desire is, um, is reflected in, in this prayer. Listen, listen to this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit into my heart. I have been crucified with Christ, and now Jesus is living in me. I ask you to cleanse me from all sin. I fully surrender all my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit according to your command and promise. Empower me to live supernatural life in Christ. May I abide in Christ and bear much fruit and do the greater works of Jesus. Use me to serve the Lord, to shine the light of Christ, and to fully glorify God. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nothing magic about that prayer, but it does express an attitude. And if you are thirsty, and if you ask in faith, and you step out in obedience, the Holy Spirit will produce the supernatural life of Christ in you. And as you continue to have the attitude of this prayer, and as you pray it again tomorrow, and again the next day, and again the next day, and moment by moment you present yourself to stir up the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to live supernatural life. And you're going to see it. Maybe not in the moment, and maybe not in a day, and maybe not in a week, but I can guarantee you if you will live every day filled with the Holy Spirit in a month, in six months, in a year, you will see how God is transforming your life. And Jesus is becoming more and more real in you, to you, and through you to others. So I'm going to ask you, like Jesus asked his audience in John 7, if you're thirsty, are you willing to come to Jesus and drink and ask the Holy Spirit, to take full control of every part of your life and fill you. If that's what you want, I, I, I would like to invite you to just make this prayer your own. If we could just take in our hearts a posture of prayer, if this is what you desire, then repeat after me from your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit into my heart. I have been crucified with Christ. 
And now Jesus is living in me. I ask you to cleanse me from all sin. I fully surrender all of my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit according to your command and promise. Empower me to live supernatural life in Christ. May I abide in Christ. Bear much fruit. Do the greater works of Jesus. Use me to serve the Lord. To shine the light of Christ. And to fully glorify God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're filled with the Holy Spirit by faith. And we obey the Holy Spirit by faith. And God wants to produce the supernatural life of Jesus within us in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said this, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. There's something powerful about making a public confession. The, the, the commitment that we're making is not just to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this moment, but to live a Spirit-filled life. To, to leave this service and to experience supernatural life in Christ. To get up tomorrow and ask to be filled with the Spirit and live supernatural life in Christ. To get up the next day and ask to be filled with the Spirit and to live supernatural life in Christ. And to commit ourselves that all the days that we have until we meet Jesus, we will live supernatural life in Christ. If that's what you're committing yourself to and asking God to do in your life, I'm going to ask our worship team to, to come up here and, and to lead us in a, in a song of invitation. And I'm going to ask you to respond. And your response is, is a response to Jesus, saying to Jesus, I want to live supernatural life in Christ and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill me today and for the rest of my life to live supernatural life in Christ. And if that's what you're desiring to do, it's your invitation right now to just come up and make this altar your own and acknowledge that you're fully surrendering your life to Christ.